y'all. Welcome to the Nuga Bell podcast, all about stories of the South, straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things Chattanooga, life in the South, and beyond. Now pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of sweet tea and join us. We're so glad you're here. It's it's been a lot of fun. I've I've learned a lot for sure. I bet. Yeah, I yeah. can only imagine. I feel mm-hmm. like every time uh, the whole idea. I, I was struggling today with like a whole bunch of businessy things, and I feel like um, every single venture that I've taken on, um, I learned so much. Especially like when it's like you are the boss, and it's it's up to you. You're the one that's going to dictate the direction mm-hmm. that things go in. And I feel like I'm constantly like, well, that went differently than I planned it to, but I learned <laughs> something. And so I'm, I'm very I'm grateful for it. You kind of have to like switch your perspective mm-hmm. when you start to work for yourself. Yeah. I yeah. saw your Instagram post today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was actually prop shopping for a photo shoot that we're doing it my job and I was like scrolling through Instagram in the checkout line and I was like mental note talk about this tonight (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah what a yeah (laughs) I'm exploring the entrepreneur the entrepreneurial path myself so I'm like sponging off of like all my friends who do their own thing (laughs) and the cool thing too is like obviously like this aside but like and this included like um I have utilized every single resource that exists in Chattanooga for small Mm -hmm. businesses so please reach out to me and I'd be happy to like give you all the contacts and all of like the free programs that you can look into and I'm working on it. Yeah. Whenever you're ready, you you tell me. (laughs) The goal is to take the blog and podcast full time. That's amazing. That's so cool. I just, I, yeah. It takes a big step. I think the big step is always the scariest step. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you can think about it now, like if you can visualize what that looks like and what you need, you know, to have in your bank account or to Mm -hmm. have in all those other things, it makes it that much easier than when you get to that point where it's like, okay, it's time for me to, like, Mm -hmm. it's time for me to do this. Like you just reach a point. I, I will not swear. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. I, honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> okay. I, I tend to, to curse a bit. It's okay. Um, I do too. <laughs> wonderful. Um, I don't trust people who don't, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, when it, it gets to the point where you're the only person that's holding yourself back, it's like all of your fears. And that's something mm-hmm. that I've struggled with a lot. But it gets to the point where it's just like, well, I've, I've wasted enough of my time at this point in time. Like, I just keep preparing for this mm-hmm. but it's never going to happen let's like see. shit or get off the pot seriously yep. no seriously that's, that's actually exactly what I was going to say <laughs> it's just like you're waiting and you're waiting and you're just like oh no I'm not ready yet oh no I'm not ready yet and then it's just like but when are you going to be ready there's never going to be a perfect time for this it's kind of mm-hmm. like the idea of getting a pet you know you're never going to be the perfect time to get a dog or a cat you mm-hmm. just do it and then you figure it out yep um let's officially get started okay um so tonight I'm joined by Kalina Goldsworthy you probably know her around town from her days at the Flying Squirrel yep. and all over the food and bev industry. <laughs> and now she is the owner of The Bitter Bottle, which is bitters, tinctures, and apothecary things. Yeah, a whole a whole sort. It's it's taken on a, a bunch of different forms as I've started the business. Um, I've, I've actually started exploring um, the idea of really what I'm trying to get to with the bitter bottle is kind of bringing it back to historic cocktail culture. That's what I fell in love with okay. in the cocktail industry. Awesome. Yeah. So the idea that like back in the day, the bartender was kind of like a pharmacist, you know, like all the bottles that exist on the wall behind him were created with some sort of medicinal purpose in mind, especially like the older uh, European bottles like chartreuse and all these Amari and things mm-hmm. like that. And um, 
I'm going to get way far ahead of myself. I can talk about this. That's okay. Dive into the rabbit hole. It's funny you mentioned the uh, medicinal qualities. I recently, within the last like six to eight months, got really into like actual cocktails more than just like a bourbon and diet. Um, So I've been, I found a YouTuber that I really like who is like a trained bartender out in LA. And I've just been listening to him at work as he like makes drinks and like talks about the history of everything. Yeah. And it's amazing how many of the ones that he makes and teaches were once created as like medicine or a remedy for something. It's it's super inspiring, but it's also kind of crazy. I mean, even even on a very like, you know, small scale, like the gin and tonic was originally created because it helped ward off malaria, helped mm-hmm. improve scurvy and like all these other things. And that's just like a gin and tonic, which you think nothing of when you order mm-hmm. one for like $5 at the bar and, you know, you pound them. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I am. Um, so I guess we should start with how I got into bartending. How did you end up in <laughs> Chattanooga, first of all? Because you're not uh, originally from no, here, right? I'm from New York. Okay. What yeah. part of New York? I grew up in upstate New York. So okay. Syracuse, New York. Gotcha. I was just really tired of the snow. I Yeah. So. I lived in Pennsylvania for Ooh, a little bit. Where in Pennsylvania? Uh, Chester County. Okay. So, like, we were halfway between Center City, Philly, and Amish country. Yep. Yep. So, like, northwest yep. of I feel the like city. we had very similar uh, scenery. Probably. Yeah. I've never been further north than... New York City on the East okay. Coast. Oh, okay. So, like, anything farther north than the city is just, like, foreign to me. Yeah. Well, it's very cold. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. I, I do I do miss only the falls there. I like having four seasons, mm-hmm. but I don't miss having to shovel my car out of snow every day. Same. Yeah. Same. So, um, I actually, it was a very weird and, and bizarre and also wonderful story on how I ended up down here. I am... Um, I was dating someone who had a friend that recommended Chattanooga to us. We were rock climbing and uh, we, she just came back and she said, you guys have to go to Chattanooga. You would absolutely love this city. It's got everything that you guys love. It's super Mm -hmm. outdoorsy. It's super, you know, fun and and everybody's climbing and everybody's doing all this stuff. So um, my, my boyfriend at the time, he had, um, they were the crash pad. The hostel was having a contest called the Ultimate Chattanooga Giveaway. <laughs> and um, the the giveaway, the winning the prize, was a, like a four or five night stay at the crash pad. Gift certificates to all the restaurants that existed in Chattanooga at the time, which wasn't nearly as many as there are now. Mm-hmm. This was uh, six years ago. Okay. Was, uh, six and a half years ago, seven years ago. Um, and uh, hang gliding, rock climbing, paddle boarding, you know, like the whole nine of everything that you do that's very Chattanooga. Yeah. <laughs> And so my, my boyfriend actually won it. Mm-hmm. And so we came down and we stayed in Chattanooga and um, we became friends with the people who were running the hostel. And a month later we broke up and I was 27 at the time. And mm-hmm. I told myself, um, you know, I hope that this will be the last purely selfish move that I can make, but I'm just going to move somewhere that I want to go. That's, you know, purely based off of like what I want to do. Fresh start. And, yeah. But then hopefully, you know, like moving forward, you know, maybe I'll find somebody and get married and like settle down and buy a house and do all these other things. But like right now I just want to be very selfish and where do I want to go? And I applied to jobs all over the U S just very like basic entry level jobs just to try to get out and start somewhere. I was looking for like any, you know, being in my mid twenties, I was like, (laughs) any sign from the universe will do. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, 
I kept going back to Chattanooga. I just really loved it. It was made me really happy. I'm a writer, so I was like reading all my old like journals and, and things like that. And I was like, man, I, I was so happy when I was in Chattanooga. Maybe I should move to Chattanooga. And I reached out to the people at the crash pad and I told them, you know, I'm thinking about moving to Chattanooga. And we started talking and one thing led to another. And they said, well, we're opening a bar. Would you like to come work for us? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you're like OG flying squirrel. I'm OG. I moved from New York to Chattanooga, Tennessee by myself. Uh, well, I had a friend. She drove down. She drove across the country with, well, down the country with me. Um, but the only people that I knew were my, my bosses. And that wow. was it. Yeah. It that's was awesome. terrifying and, and wonderful and very scary. Um, but I found myself in the company of, of really incredible and inspiring entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And not just that, the team that they had assembled to be a part of that opening bar um, I didn't find out I was actually going to be bartending until two weeks before we opened, two three <laughs> weeks. Um, they just kept saying, um, I remember at like all the meetings and they were like, this is Kalina. We don't know what she's going to do yet, but she moved here from New York. So she's got a job. And oh, I just wow. remember those meetings where it was just like, well, we don't know what you're going to do yet, but like you're here and you're mm-hmm. dedicated. And, so like, you learn bartending on the job. Uh, basically wow. I, well, I got very nervous because the people that I was surrounded by were a whole bunch of, uh, bartenders who were saying, you know, like, Oh, I've been bartending for 10 years. Or I've been bartending for 12 years. And I kept thinking, Oh my gosh, like, I know nothing about bartending and I'm 27. Mm-hmm. And so I should note, so I have an identical twin sister who was uh, bartending, cocktail waitressing and serving in New York City at the time. And she kept telling me because we went to school for music and we were musicians for a long time. What, what do you play? I went to school for voice. So I play the piano and the ukulele too. I was a classical violinist. Ah, that's awesome. That's what my sister did. Oh, really? Yeah, that's so, <laughs> that's so awesome. But so while she was pursuing music, she was bartending and, and cocktail serving and, and all these things on the side. And she kept saying, Kalina, you really got to get into bartending. And my father, my poor father, he was, <laughs> he was just like, I just don't want my daughters to be bartenders. And I mean, I could understand, you know, to an extent. I think bartending, it depends on where you're bartending, whether or not it's, you know, uh, Something a father would want. Yeah. We'll call it that. <laughs> because I'm, I'm a huge, obviously, I'm a huge advocate for bartenders, and I think it's an incredible craft. And um, I have so much respect for bartenders. Yeah. You know, I truly believe that bartending in the hospitality industry, but really specifically the idea of, of having a bartender make you drinks is something that's never going to go away. It's one of mm-hmm. these industries that they've made robots that can make cocktails, but there's something about that human element that really, it's something that we I feel mm-hmm. like it's almost like a ritual for us humans. Like we want to go and sit at a bar. We want mm-hmm. somebody to make us a drink. We want to talk to this person as if we've known them forever mm-hmm. and they know nothing about us, but they know everything about us. And I remember Toby talking about that in his yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so beautiful and crazy and bizarre, but it's like the most beautiful, bizarrely pure form of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So, um, I promised my father, I said, I'll never bartend. You don't have to worry about me. I promise I'll never bartend. And then a couple months later, I moved across the country to be part of opening a bar that wasn't open yet. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine what my parents were thinking when they, they you know, helped their daughter. Well, they didn't, they didn't come down with me either. They just kind of like watched their 27-year-old daughter pack up a car and move across the country to be part of opening a bar that she'd <laughs> never worked in a bar. And and yeah, it was, it was very scary. But um, every time I've ever done anything... I've always needed to know what I was getting myself into. So when they said, you're going to be a bartender, I was just like, I got some learning to do. <laughs> and it was good, you know, because like I said, I moved here I, and not like no pity party. I was totally fine with it most of the time. I had no friends. Like I, I really didn't have any money because I didn't have a job yet. Same. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I just kind of sat in my apartment and I read every book that I could get my hand on. And I started Googling, searching, you know, um, 
just bartending classes. And I had heard that a lot of them were just, it's just nonsense. It doesn't make any sense to take a bartending class. Like you just learn how to bartend by bartending. But I happened to come across Bar Smarts, which ended up being, you know, one of these industry standard bartending mm-hmm. schools. Um, one that I'm still actively participating in, you know, after seven years, six, mm-hmm. seven years. But um, so I read Bartending for Dummies was the first book that I read, <laughs> which is actually a fantastic book. Good to know. Yes. I, I, it's, I mean, it gives you the gist of everything. As I was reading these books and as I was taking Bar Smarts, um, I just became overwhelmed with the fact that like, oh, well, I need to know how gin's made. I need to know how whiskey's made. I need to know how all these things are made because bartenders know this and they must know how to make all of these recipes of all these shots and all these cocktails most bartenders now I know most bartenders don't know all these things Mm -hmm. you kind of have to want to learn these things but I didn't realize that so when I thought I was trying to you know take in all this knowledge just to keep my head above water I was going a lot farther beyond what I needed to do but I'm so grateful for it because it kind of like created this love of of what I do now so I love it yeah, my, my, the job, I should say, too, the job I had right before I was a bartender was I was a preschool teacher, which I think is the perfect prerequisite to bartending. Yes. Like, yeah, perfect. There's a lot of similarities so between similar. toddlers and drunks. Absolutely. <laughs> you talk to them the same way? Yes. Excuse me, I'm talking to the other person right now. If you keep interrupting me, it's going to take me longer. Yep. <laughs> the only thing yep. is toddlers don't pay you. This is very true. This is very true. But yeah, so I... Um, I just started getting into it and then I I was trying really hard to learn as much as I can and I didn't realize that there were so many educational opportunities that exist for bartenders now. It's really incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I just started applying to things and crazy enough for me, I started getting accepted and it was very um, surprising to me and I think that in a way it may have been my sort of... um, awareness and honesty of the fact that I was very new and I wanted to learn. Like I really wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, I was just in the right place where people wanted to help me learn. Mm -hmm. So I've, over the last six years, I've traveled all over the world to study. Um, I went to last May, I went to Sweden to study at the Absolute Academy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. With Absolute. And the year before that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the year before that, I went to um, Ireland to study at the Irish Whiskey Academy at Jameson. Yeah, and um, I've done the Patron uh, trip, and yeah, it's just, it's been crazy. Mm -hmm. I've gotten into a lot of really fantastic programs that have given me fantastic mentors and people to look up to, and I feel like it was all kind of building up to me Mm -hmm. creating this business. Everything happens for a reason. It's so true. (laughs) so true. Um, What else do I have on here? No, I'm sorry. I could talk about this sort of stuff forever. (laughs) Um, I really love it. (laughs) So you did... All of your bartending and all your trips and travels and Mm -hmm. education. So how and why (laughs) did you end up pursuing the Bitters Apothecary path specifically? (sighs) We touched on this like a little bit ago, but I want to hear more. Yeah, so um, it was kind of this beautiful accident, honestly. Those are the best. (laughs) Right? But so again, being... 27 years old. And I know that that's not, you know, it's not old at all, but I mean, it's older when you're coming into the bartending game where there have been people that have been around for a long time. So I kept telling myself, I want to get better at making drinks for my menu. Well, I don't really have this palate like in lock as much as I want it to. I don't really like understand it. I need to kind of strengthen my palate. So I was like, I'm going to start to do some research on you know, um, how some people have like the little scent kits where you can train your nose. I was like, well, I'm going to try and start doing that for, 
you know, for tasting things. And for some reason, which makes zero sense when you actually put it into perspective, I was like, I'll just start making bitters and tinctures. I'll try and do that, but I'll isolate all the flavors so that I can taste them. Mm -hmm. And then this will help me understand a lot of these uh, spirits that used to exist back in the day. So what's the difference between bitters and tinctures? So this is a really fun, um, convers- I like to think of it as a conversation yeah. starter because uh, tinctures from from my understanding and all I've studied, tinctures are a super saturated uh, concentration of more often than not, it's just one botanical ingredient in alcohol. Okay. Now you could have a tincture blend where there would be more than one of these botanicals in the alcohol, but that's all that it is. And bitters tend to have... Uh, an agent that lower the proof. So a lot of times you'd be working with pure grain alcohol or something like that, like 95% alcohol, and you don't want to serve something at 95% alcohol. So no. you'll either dilute <laughs> it, yeah, with um, with water or with a sweetening agent or things like that. And that's normally where that comes down to. But then that also makes me kind of branch off into my nerdier perspective where bitters um, historically are representative of a bittering herb. So it could be a tincture of a bittering herb, mm-hmm. and you could still call it bitters. Okay. But commonly, and now in current cocktail trends, you'll see everything from like lavender bitters to, you know, habanero bitters. And it's not to say that they're not bitters per se, by their combination of how they're created, mm-hmm. they could be, but they're not necessarily all bittering agents. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's okay. a very like, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. But so um, bro, I bought a book uh, called Bitters, and it's by John Thomas Parsons, I believe is the book, mm-hmm. um, and I read it fast. I read it so fast. And before I could even get through the book, he was talking about this Chinese medicine shop that he loved in Seattle that he bought all of his stuff from. And as soon as I read that page, I just placed a huge bulk order to this Chinese medicine <laughs> shop called Tenzing Momo in Pike's Market in Seattle. I had no idea what I was doing, but this box just showed up at my house (laughs) and I just went to the liquor store and I bought a ton of pure grain alcohol and I was just sitting in my, uh, in my apartment, um, you know, just like mortar and pestle grinding up stuff. And I was trying, I kept trying to find, uh, recipes for bitters, like, so how to make an allspice bitters. And you Google something in this day and age, we have, we're the smartest people in the world. We have all the information at our fingertips at any point in time. Mm -hmm. So I Google, you know, how do you make allspice bitters? And it says, you know, could range from five days to three weeks. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how is it that, you know, we don't have, there's no like standard standardization of how to make these things. And furthermore, how am I supposed to know when something's done if I've never Mm -hmm. made it? Right. So I got very frustrated. (laughs) And so I started um, just doing simple things to me to like kind of coax my mathematical mind of calm down. I would like, you know, start a tincture. I would start something and then I would strain it and I would see what the loss was. I was just like all about calculating loss, like how much of the herb is being like absorbed, how... uh, how much of it's absorbing the alcohol and all these crazy things. And it wasn't really getting any ground and traction in like what they actually taste like. So I started studying herbalism. Okay. Because that to me seemed like almost the next logical step to understand these plants. Well, if I can't find, you know, the cocktail handbook on how to make bitters and have it be the same, because what I was finding was all of the same recipes for cocktail bitters follow the exact same recipe. So you combine X with alcohol You put it in a jar, you let it sit for two weeks, then you strain it, and then you make a syrup, and then you add that to the alcohol, and then you let that sit for two weeks, and that's bitters. And then the next time you're going to take this recipe, you're going to do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, that just, it doesn't seem right. I don't Mm -hmm. know why, it just seems weird. Like, it shouldn't be that easy. Right, yeah. I mean, and I guess it's okay, but, like, surely there was more. 
And I was always very interested in, as I feel like a lot of Chattanooga is interested in, you know, trying to find more homeopathic options on how to take care of yourself. We have a, a really good outlook on health here. We try to be mm-hmm. health conscious. So I was studying that at the same time. And I was just like, well, this is crazy. Like all of a sudden the herbalism world collided with, you know, my cocktails. And I was mm-hmm. studying, I was realizing the same things I was studying, you know, as the ingredients in Angostura bitters were the exact same things that I was reading about in my herbalist book on how to, you know, like settle your stomach and how to avoid nausea and, mm-hmm. and all these crazy things. Um, so I started working at Crabtree Farms because, again, being like the crazy learner that I am, um, couldn't couldn't keep reading books and not physically seeing things. Right. So the greenhouse manager at Crabtree Farms, his name is Mike Barron, and he is a good friend of mine and really changed the course of things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working as the assistant general manager at the Flying Squirrel uh, 50 hours a week, and I was still coming out to the farm Mm-hmm. regularly like for volunteer hours because I just wanted to keep learning from him mm-hmm. he was uh, a co- he is a cocktail enthusiast but he doesn't understand necessarily and he would openly say this he doesn't really know how or why or what he's doing he just does things that kind of make sense to him right. whereas I had now all this experience on how to make cocktails but I didn't know how to use the things around me mm-hmm. so, so you complimented each other yeah well. I mean, he would just walk around the farm and just like pick something and be like try this and I, and I, like, we just had this, at first I was like, what the heck is going on? This man is just giving me strange plants from the ground. Like, this could be poison. I don't know. Like, does he know? You know, like all this stuff. And it just, it turned into like, he would give me something and I would start saying like, oh, I feel like this would pair really well with like, we could do something crazy with this. And he was just like, he could always see like, when he gives me something like, I see the wheels turning, yep. like, this is really cool. And so we started working together uh, in that end. And I would say, tell me what you got. I want to keep trying to make stuff with, with these things. And then um, I feel like it's a very long story, so I'm That's sorry. Okay. <laughs> but no, um, I'm fascinated. Oh, well, then. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I just I really love like I, I keep saying it, but I really love this field. Like I love that I found myself doing something that I can continue to learn for the rest of my life, which is something that's to me is that's the best career, mm-hmm. you know. Um, while I was studying herbalism, while I was working at the restaurant, while I was doing I was doing all these things, I was juggling so many things. I had no time. Feel that. <laughs> right? Oh, girl. So um, I realized that I had to, I kind of had to come up with something. I wanted, I knew that I wanted to be a business owner. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I don't know when that happened. But a friend of mine was going to do co-starters, which is a program put on by the company lab mm-hmm. in downtown Chattanooga. And I was like, I want to do it too. He was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I've always had this vision of like, I want to be, I want to be Sally from Practical Magic. Do you ever, do you ever see, ever see that movie? Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. I know what you're talking, I haven't seen it yet, but. But she owns this little apothecary shop. And ever since I was a kid, I was like, I don't really, you know, like, I don't really understand what all of this is, but it looks cool. And like, she makes things (laughs) and I don't want to do that. So, um, I wanted to basically create this sort of like, almost like a bartender's grocery store was what I had in my mind when I started doing this course. I want to make bitters. I want to make things with real ingredients. I want to make things from from the earth. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it so that we can have it back in cocktails. I kind of want to bring the way things used to be back to modern cocktails. And then this kind of, you know, as things do, this was two years ago, mm-hmm. two and a half years ago, um, that it took on its own form and kind of like dictated itself for me. So what I was realizing was that there was a gap in the market in craft cocktails where everybody is creating craft cocktail bitters, but they're creating them all with the same recipe. They're not necessarily paying attention to the ingredients that they're putting into it. And they're also not really advertising at great lengths the quality of the ingredients Mm -hmm. that they're working with. 
And there's also at the same time, this sort of um, herbalist culture that exists where we want, you know, allergy tonics and we want elderberry syrup and we want all these things. But the things that we're not thinking about is that these things work because of the location that they're from. Mm-hmm. So we have horrible allergies here. But if you buy oh my an gosh, allergy, right? Dude, I never had them until I moved here. Hi, friend. The producer has joined the us. The producer's here. Come here, Maggie. Hi, bud. Her name is Maggie, short for Magnolia. Oh, hello, Magnolia. You're beautiful. <laughs> She'll come here. It's okay. Oh, hold on. She'll make her way over here. But anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> but I realized that, you know, if we are sitting here thinking that we're doing ourselves a favor by ordering an allergy tonic that's made in California, that's not the same. And it's right. not the same because it doesn't have the pollen from our area. It doesn't have the honey from the bees like that carry mm-hmm. the pollen from all of these allergens and in our area. And it's funny how much of a difference that makes. It's, it does. It does. And so... I furthermore kept thinking it just like all of a sudden it just started compounding and I was like, well, I need somebody needs to create something with something that's here. And why aren't we doing that even baseline down to our bitters? Mm-hmm. Bars and restaurants love farm farm to table ideas. Oh, yeah. So why is it that nobody is trying to kind of like further this community, further the conversation between bars and farms? We always have the conversation about restaurants and farms. Mm-hmm. Restaurants order from farms all the time. But my experience is that sometimes bars don't necessarily have, you know, like maybe the budget or the thought to source from farms instead of sourcing from commodity grocers. I wanted to create a bitters that was made exclusively in the city to kind of like open that door for communication, create a relationship between bartenders and bar owners, but farmers as well, Mm -hmm. and then bring in distilleries in there as well. So the first line of bitters that I'm going to be producing is a Chattanooga exclusive line with the distillate made here in Chattanooga and all the botanicals grown within Chattanooga. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And thank you. And then the plan is to kind of continue to further that conversation, the education behind it, like why it's important to keep things within the community, because you're also keeping money within the community. Mm -hmm. And so often I feel like agricultural um, industry, our agricultural industry gets overlooked a little bit. Um, these jobs are, you know, thankless and hard and, but it's, it's, again, it's like something that we all need and we don't necessarily think about every time that we, you know, like sit down and eat a plate of vegetables or, you know, things like that. So I wanted to kind of have that conversation. I want to be able to move it to different cities. I want to be able to take this, you know, idea to Nashville and work with a bunch of bartenders Mm -hmm. in Nashville and create Nashville bitters using a distillate in Nashville and partnering them with local farms in Nashville Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing volunteer days and having that sort of conversation. I love it. Thanks. Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) So moving into this business owner life. Yeah. We were talking about this a little bit at the beginning um, and I mentioned that I saw your Instagram post today. Yeah. So life is a business owner. Whoo, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's rewarding. It's tough. It's, um, exhausting. Your work is never done. Right. I've had to, I think, but I think what I'm learning from it is, is all very good things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, your work really is never done. You never think about all the things that go into it until you're really in the thick of it. Like, for me, I always thought, oh, social media will be easy. Like, I'll just carve out, you know, like, three hours on Monday. I'll schedule out my whole week. It'll be easy. But nope. it's never that easy. Nope. <laughs> and then there's also, you know, the other side of things for me, which is um, there's never been a legal bitters company in the state of Tennessee. Interesting. Yeah. And it's because of alcohol. Alcohol mm-hmm. as a base. They deem you a rectifier of alcohol, which needs a distiller's license. So um, the work that I've been doing over the last two years, trust me when I say, when I envisioned starting this business, I was just like, I'm going to be business within a year. Like, I'm going to be selling stuff. 
And um, we actually had to change a law in 2017, mm-hmm. reform a house bill to make it legal to do these things. And then also um, getting my manufacturing facility, which I just signed my lease on um, in December, which is mm-hmm. incredible. But getting it manufactured or getting it regulated as a food manufacturing facility, it's just one thing after the next. Mm-hmm. So I've been, And people don't realize that these are like very real steps. Yeah. And that... a lot of them are outside of your control. So it's not, you know, like I just don't feel like calling the Department of Agriculture today. It's like, man... I hope I can, you know, get all the answers that I need and that the Department of Agriculture doesn't take maybe six months before they'll approve this. Yeah. Things like that. And it's it really is like there's just so much outside of your control that that you, you just have to hope for the best, be optimistic. But you mm-hmm. also have to get creative in how you're going to be able to keep your business afloat. Yes. Which has been something that's been interesting for me. Um, I've had to really think outside the box and do different things which I'm excited for, and that's also kind of helped take my business in a different shape. So the idea of, like, this apothecary, kind of like this place where you can go and, like, get solutions mm-hmm. um, ended up turning into not just, like, solutions of, like, the liquid sense, but also, <laughs> like, solutions of, of like, the, the hospitality industry sense. So I started working on some bar and menu consulting, which has been really, that's really awesome. fun for me, especially because it still aligns with what the bitter bottle is, mm-hmm. you know, like a sense of community, using local ingredients, um, trying to eliminate waste, finding ways to be more sustainable, but also kind of creating what has, I didn't even start calling it this. I had a friend that started calling what I was doing this by creating conscious cocktails. Mm-hmm. So just something that, you know, it says a story, but it also like has a background to mm-hmm. it. And you know what's in what you're drinking. Yes. Which is so important. Like I understand there's a huge argument in the industry of like, you can't have healthy cocktails. It's no, you can't because alcohol is not inherently healthy, mm-hmm. but alcohol is a, pres- a preservation agent that can deliver beneficial qualities mm-hmm. to you. So if we're more thoughtful in how we're doing those sorts of things, you know, there are so many industries that we impact by having a glass of, you know, a, or a cocktail at a bar that's utilizing ingredients from mm-hmm. many different places. Mm-hmm. So I like to kind of like further that discussion. Um, I've been working on a lot of really fun menus right now, which is really cool. It gives me an opportunity to, um, continue to do what I did at Flying Squirrel just in a different avenue, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. Though. I mean, I've had the same people behind me, you know, like I'll still text the general manager there is one of my best friends and I'll still text him and say like, I'm doing a menu tasting today. And like, I really wish that you could have tried the cocktail. And he's just like, don't you hear my voice? Like in your head, like, yes, but it's scary. And like, I don't know. Um, but it's, it, it really is. I mean, you got to, you have to be okay with not having everything go according to plan, which I think is really hard for people that start businesses because we all have the same type of personality that's mm-hmm. like, I'm determined. I won't back down. You're like, I got this. And then something else comes in your way and you're just like, oh my God, what do I do now? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, but it's a fun, it really is a fun challenge. And, and what I found that helped me a lot is just talking about it with close friends. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily opening your mouth, you know, like everywhere you go and saying, well, this is the business that I want to start because Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a smart idea. I feel like there's a lot of people that have a lot more money than me. Who would hear that and be like, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Yeah. But talking to close friends, um, especially ones that are going to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, I realized that they were asking me a lot of questions that I hadn't thought about. But those questions ended up leading me to doing consulting, continuing Mm -hmm. to do menu design. And, and these things have been literally what's been keeping my business afloat, you know, mm-hmm. for the last six months. Yeah. Which is really incredible. Mm-hmm. So One of the things that stood out to me 
from your Instagram post today was like, I've been in business for two and a half years and I haven't sold a bottle of bitters. And I was like standing in the checkout line. I just went, what? <laughs> like that yep. like really put it in perspective for me. I was like, oh, life is a business owner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it is, but, but I should also say, I think I took, when I have this conversation, that exact conversation with even my sister, she said, you know, like I've told other people that you're starting a bitters company and they say like, well, can I get some bitters? And she hasn't made any yet. And like, why haven't you made any? Like, you should have just been making it and selling it. Well, my plan for my business is to do it right from day one. Because mm-hmm. when I'm ready to go, I don't want to have to do a rebranding. I don't want to have to, you know, right the wrongs that I made from a test batch that was just, you know, like a one-off that I made in, in my living room. Mm-hmm. If I'm making something, all these things are expensive to, yeah. to utilize. <laughs> so if I'm making something, I want to be able to sell it. And I want to be able to sell it across state lines. I want to be able to sell it over oceans. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do it right from day one. And I don't want, you know, anybody to come back on me or anything that I've done to come back on me. Because at this point in time, you know, my business is also my livelihood. I certainly don't want that to come back on my livelihood. Right. So it's very important to make sure for me with this industry, I think there's a lot of other industries that are worth taking more risky chances on, but mine, I found myself really having like the difficult questions of like, well, I could just start making stuff and giving it to friends. And it was like, well, I'll make some stuff and I'll give it to some friends, but I will have the caveat of I made this in my home. I have dogs, you know, like all these other things. And if I'm going to start to do anything moving forward, you know, I really want to make sure I'm doing it Mm -hmm. right, which doing it right has far and away been the hardest part of this. That draws your process out a little bit. A lot of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, it's been it's been good. Like, I've learned so much from that process. But it definitely is. Mm-hmm. It's definitely taken a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so kind of on that note, um, <laughs> do you have an anticipated, like, timeline of when... <laughs> I do, I do. But it's it's a, a timeline that I'm holding myself pretty strictly to. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I have to, as we've been talking about, I have to be pretty um, accepting of the fact that there are still a lot of things that are out of my control. Mm-hmm. Um, my plan, if it were up to me and everything goes according to plan, mm-hmm. it will be um, a giant party in the end of May. Oh, awesome. Yes. So it shouldn't be too long, but again... Right. But there's still, um, I have two major uh, regulatory hurdles to mm-hmm. go over. I'm ready for both of them. Right. But it's it's a little outside of my yeah. control as to what, when they get mm-hmm. the little check mark from the government. Awesome. That's soon. Yeah, it is. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really exciting. I feel like I've been waiting for this for so long mm-hmm. and, and keep moving it one more month is just such a, ugh, it hurts. I feel that. <laughs> I feel ya. Yeah. yeah. Um, so can you talk about where you're um, absolutely going to be located? Yeah. So um, I am located on the North Shore. I'm in the BBC building in the incubator. Oh, okay. Um, yep. It's like right behind Whole Foods. It's not far um, from here. No, not at all. Very good to know. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not going to be a retail facility. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a little office in there and everything. It's, it's adorable. I love <laughs> it. Um, but it's really, it's really just a, a manufacturing facility. Um, I'm planning to wholesale it to bars and restaurants. Awesome. I'm working with a ton of bartenders and a ton of wonderful people who have been so interested. And I'm so grateful that mm-hmm. they've been kind of continually asking, like, oh, well, how much longer? Like, we'd love, we'd love to carry your stuff when you get it. Yay! So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. So, hopefully by... Mid-year, we can be enjoying your bitters and drinks around town. That would be so amazing. Yes. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I can't wait. Oh, thank you. Me neither. (laughs) Um, And one question I've been thinking about. Yeah. um, 
what has been the most unique or strangest flavor you've made or worked with? Oh. I know I'm asking the hard questions. <laughs> no, it's good. I like this. I like weird. I really love weird. Um, I've actually kind of taken it upon myself to try to work with, like, some of the weirdest things that I've ever mm-hmm. heard. Like, okay, so um, there's a couple really cool things that are starting to be seen pretty commonly in the cocktail world now. Um, this is not a bitters-related flavor, but otherwise. Um, there's a couple compound, or a couple ingredients that you can use when you mix it with acid, when you mix it with a citrus, it changes color. Which Ooh. is a really cool idea for a cocktail to have a color-changing cocktail. Mm-hmm. So there's this, uh, it's called butterfly pea flower. I've seen that. Tea. Yes. yes, I've but seen that. But then they actually made an extract of it called bluer, which is um, far easier to work with than the tea, mm-hmm. um, just because it's drops. It's very yeah. easy. <laughs> um, but uh, another compound that will do the same is cabbage. Interesting. Yes. Wait, I totally saw this on Instagram the other day. Yeah? Yeah, they like boiled cabbage into mm-hmm. water. And it's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But the problem is it smells horrible. Oh, I bet. So <laughs> I made a cabbage ice cube as a cocktail uh, to try a cocktail out. And it worked beautifully and it looked great. And the smell wasn't overwhelming because mm. it was right at the start. But the longer that that drink sat there... It was it was not a great smell <laughs> to have around. So that one that one got mixed pretty quickly. I think the other things are I just get a lot of strange looks when I talk about bringing in like very bizarre, um, like antiquated, older, more herbalist used uh, mm-hmm. like whorehound and wormwood and like yeah. all those things, which I really do love working with. They're really really cool. I had yeah. I was talking to someone recently about like more natural remedies for like anxiety and stuff like oh, that. And yeah. she was talking about like Saint John's Wort, yeah, and... Skullcap, Passion Flower, Valerian Root. Gosh, I don't yeah. even remember like, but. What else she was talking about, but St. John's wort in particular, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's it's interesting. It makes anyone sound very witchy. Yeah. But, That's kind yeah. of what I thought. I was just like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> yeah, they have some crazy names for things like Devil's Club and mm-hmm. yeah. 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 But it's so crazy because a lot of that stuff was actually used in so many mm-hmm. of these things. So it's just it's funny when you put a name to it, but then if you said like, Oh, these are all the ingredients that are in, you know, like chartreuse, and they'd be like Oh, oh yeah. So. Oh my goodness. Well, this has yeah. been absolutely lovely. Cool. It is now time to play with my jar. Yay! Um, so if you've been listening to the podcast, you know what the jar is. <laughs> but for new listeners, this is my mason jar filled with colorful pieces of paper with fun little questions and things for us to talk about. <laughs> so I'll go first. Love it. Blank is actually the best medicine. How funny that you would ask. Right. Yeah. Be like, alcohol. No. <laughs> well, in uh, some cases, a hot toddy fixes I mean, a lot. <laughs> it's so true. But it's so funny. I actually don't really like hot toddies. Oh, really? I know. So I was listening to a lot. Of, you're a big whiskey fan. Mm-hmm. For me, I love whiskey, but I'm weird. I like it like room temperature whiskey with room temperature water. Like, Interesting. I don't want it on the ice. I want to be able to smell it all. Oh, okay. Um, but when I make hot toddies, I hate hot whiskey. I hate it. See, I don't like them super spicy. Okay. Like, I've had them when they're really, really spicy. And, yeah, too but much. When, and when I make them, I cut down. I only do, like, one cinnamon stick, and I put, like, four or five cloves in it. I like to make mine with rum. Ooh, I haven't tried that yet. You should try one with spiced rum. I'll try that next. Or what I've done is I'll do like, make like an apple infused rum. Ooh. Where you throw like some apple with some rum in a blender and then 
let that sit for like a day or two, strain that out and use that in a hot toddy. Oh, I'm totally going to try that. Mm-hmm. That's real good. I need to go, I need to, I actually do need to go liquor shopping. Yes. So I'm going to get, yeah, just get you a little bottle, put it in a mason jar, you all set. I'm going to try this. <laughs> it's delicious. I like it. So what is the best medicine? What's your, what do you think? What's the best medicine? Um, well, the saying is laughter is the best medicine, right. but I'm going to say good friends. I like that one. I think, uh, uh, like walks in the wood or hikes. Yes. That's nature. What, like, yeah, nature. I like that. Yeah. All right, draw one. Ooh, okay. Green one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> What's your, I don't know, how, Enneagram type? Yeah. I literally just did this like two days ago. Really? Yes. Perfect timing. Yeah, seriously. What are you? I am a two-winged one. Oh, I don't know what the wing thing means. So, oh, like the other... Yeah, so each type uh-huh, has Like two. your main type, you have two... Like wings on either side. So, okay. Like yep. I'm a two. I could either be a wing one or a wing three, and it just means that I like pick up on some qualities of those, ah. but I'm not like full on. So I'm a two with some type one tendencies. I'm a four. Okay, I can yeah. totally see that. <laughs> oh my gosh! See, I need to know so much more about these things, but I can't remember what the winged ones are. But that's so funny that you asked that. That's so crazy. Yeah, um, I think I'm, I I very much also aligns with the fact that I'm a Pisces. I feel like I'm, I'm a Sagittarius. Are you? And I am like the complete like anti Sagittarius. Really? Okay, so so Sag- I so- always wish that I was like that kind of person that was just like, oh, tell me more. Like, you <laughs> totally are, but I'm not. Like I, I just like I know what I am, and I know what like I know yeah. like. I'm getting to learn a lot more because I have some coworkers who are really into it, and mm-hmm. so I've been like sponging off. With it's them. pretty cool to learn. Yeah. Um. But, but like, you're like the anti-Sagittarius. So, like, huh. the normal Sagittarius is, like, bold, outgoing, like, wants to be heard, like, draws attention to themselves. And I'm, like... Well, you do have a podcast. I'm but. extroverted. <laughs> like, I'm extroverted, but I also, like, don't seek for attention okay. to be on me. No, I And I'm that. not super, like, bold. But I feel and, like maybe that's the extrovert, like, as we start to get older. Because mm-hmm. I always thought I was, like, a super extrovert when I was younger, and now I'm just, like... I want to do things, but I want to do things from home. But I'm also, so, Enneagram type 2, anti-Sagittarius, and I'm an INTJ. Oh. Which is so weird. Yeah. Okay. Man, I can't remember what my my phrase is. I remember it because I took it, like, four different times. Okay. And I got... Different results. Well, (laughs) I got, I was always the INJ. Okay. And it's... Two of the times I got FJ, and two of the times I got TJ, and I realized that I align more with the TJ, That's so I was funny. like, we're going to go with INTJ. No, I like that. That's funny. That's so crazy, because my boss, uh, I work uh, part-time at the Hunter Museum. Oh, cool. Um, I do the bar program over there, so she she told me that she had done this, and she, yeah. wanted, she was like, you got to do it. I'm it's telling really cool. everyone about it. My friend at work and I, like, nerd out about it all the time. That's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. I like those. Let's see. Let's get a blue one. One thing people get wrong about the South. <sighs> Grits are actually delicious. They are delicious. Do people I, not think so? Yeah. I, yeah. Huh. I um, love grits. Well, I don't know. This one's really tough because I'm, yeah, I'm so from the North. So, like, when I moved here, um, I didn't realize some of the things that, People weren't joking about. I thought they were joking, and mm-hmm. I had a. It's very different. I have very yeah. different upbringing, so like I don't know what. Um, 
things that people think. I feel like wrong about the South. Yeah, one thing people get wrong about the South. Okay, I think one of the biggest things that I thought before I moved here about the South was that everybody, like, the Southern cooking is fantastic, Mm -hmm. right? But in my head, it was all, you know, like, there were mom-and-pop shops that made this fantastic cooking. And I know that a lot of people's parents did this. But when I first moved here, I was like, you guys, like, I'm going to be a biscuit connoisseur. Like, tell me where to go to get the good biscuits. And everybody, like, 9 out of 10 people said Hardee's. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, there's got to be some restaurant around here that makes really great biscuits. And that's Bluegrass. where everybody goes. Right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> but I was so surprised. So I guess I think that, for me, is something that the North, we all think mm-hmm. that down here there's just like, you know, like five really great mom and pop restaurants that are like internationally known in the South. They make <laughs> the best biscuits. But um, but I mean, you really do. Everywhere you go, you got good biscuits. And it's so funny that they do come from fast food places. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so my boss and I, well, he's not my direct boss, but the like n- number one guy in my office, he, he and I are both originally from North Carolina. Okay. Um, and we bonded over that when I was first hired and moved here and started working there. And there's Bojangles, uh-huh. and then there's a chain in North Carolina. It's only in North Carolina. They might have one or two in South Carolina oh. called Biscuitville. I want to go. And they are, <laughs> they're very similar, but Biscuitville is only open until like 2 or 3 o'clock. And um, they have a great name. Yes, they do. And <laughs> they're very much like breakfast, lunch. Like okay. They do like biscuits and chicken tenders, and I don't even think they have like sandwiches or anything if they do it's like a chicken sandwich okay um but i am very much of the mind that biscuitville is better than bojangles and my boss is very much on like team bojangles oh boy and he like jokingly almost fired me one day because oh my gosh because i said biscuitville was better than bojangles Um, he's like get out now good biscuits but if you think biscuitville is better then like i feel like i need to go there oh my (laughs) gosh it's (laughs) um I did my undergrad for college in Virginia, and then I okay. uh, went to back to North Carolina for my master's, and they opened a Biscuitville for you in the town <laughs> where I was living, where I was getting my master's, and I was like, "Oh man, oh wow!" Uh, fortunately, it was like a, it was like out of my way on my way That's to good, school. So if we were on your way, it would have been, been bad. Yeah, I feel that. But they also opened a location of my favorite barbecue restaurant, like literally right across the street from my apartment. I was like, "This is dangerous." I don't know what's Maybe worse. Maybe better than biscuits, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <sighs> They're about I know, the same. it's a toss-up, right? They serve different purposes. This is very true. Yes. This is very true. Go for All it. Right. Go with... Oh, this guy fell out, so he's the winner. All right. When I have visitors in town, the first place I take them is... I feel like I always take people to Sunset and mm-hmm. um, the Walnut Street Bridge and, like, the Hunter Museum yep. area, which is actually, um, I just, I got married in October 2017, mm-hmm. and we got married out on the 24-hour terrace at the Hunter, so oh. that we could always go back there. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, it's kind of, like, held a really nice spot in my heart. So, I, I've been to the Hunter for, like, special events. Yeah. I have not actually, like, oh my gosh, you gotta been go. to the Hunter. Oh, you should go. I really want to. You should go. It's It's been on my to-do list, and I'm like, I can't believe I've... Yeah, it's really cool, especially um, we actually have uh, an opening this Thursday. We have a new um, permanent installation, a giant sculpture in the lobby, and then um, the artist from these, Allison Chotts, has an exhibit. Oh, cool. um, It's it's fantastic. Awesome. So it would be a really good time to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I think I've got some time 
No, I don't have time this weekend. But that's okay. It'll be it'll be open for like the next three months. Maybe. Awesome. And the sculpture will always be there. So perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to go look. Um, I I always just opt for somewhere with like really good food. Yeah. So where's where's your spots right now? So right now, um, I'm always a feed co girl. Mm-hmm. Let's see. My parents were just in town. Where did I take them? Um, I love Main Street Meats. Gosh, my parents were just here. We're, oh, I love Stir. Mm-hmm. I love their cocktail menu and their cocktail program. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Frothy Monkey a lot. Mm-hmm. Flying Squirrel, obviously. Okay. It was Port Belly Tacos, man. Oh, oh my, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. Um, those are my usual go-tos. And yeah. then I like to check out like some of the news. I have a list in my phone of places yeah. that... like. I need to go to this place because I haven't been there yet. And it's, like, ridiculous, the places I haven't been to. I know. Yet. Dude, I feel the same way. And then when we sit around and we say, like, oh, we got to go get food. And you're just like, oh, we should go somewhere different. And then we just always end up at the same Creatures places. of habit. I know, but it's just so good. We do mm-hmm. have really good food. Yeah. A lot of really good pizza. Now you're talking to a New Oh, true. So. <laughs> I'll say we have some okay pizza. Okay. But <laughs> okay, so prime opportunity to ask, Ooh. where do you go for pizza in oh. Chattanooga? You know, you know what the one that makes me feel closest to home. And again, I grew up in upstate New York, mm-hmm. so I'm not, you know, like New York City pizza through and through. But keep in mind, like everybody that opens up a pizza shop in upstate New York came from the city. Okay. So we really do have like New York City style pizza, mm-hmm. just with like more upstate flair, I guess. Yeah. But the one that I think is closest to New York is actually Mr. T's in St. Elmo. Oh, I've been there. I love that pizza. It's also, it's very, very efficiently priced. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's delicious. It's so good. And it's so, it so reminds me of the places I used to get pizza when I was a kid. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I have not actually been there yet. And it's not on my list either. Oh my gosh, you have to. Okay. But, uh, go in the summertime because you can get the ice cream too, which yes. is really fantastic. Perfect. But I will say, uh, the one thing that the South does really interesting is that, um, just it's pizza unfamiliar to what is usually served in New mm-hmm. York. Like uh, New York is always, you know, pepperoni or cheese and sausage and like, here we have so many beautiful, strange pizza flavors. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the community pies, like fig. Yes. Uh, it's amazing. Drunk pig. Oh, the drunk pig is so good. <laughs> and then, like, Aaliyah has fantastic. Mm-hmm. But none of those are, like, I'm just craving, you know, like, a really good cheese pizza. Right. Like, you could get a really good cheese pizza, but it has, like, really fancy cheese. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know. I went to Hummingbird Pasteria last I've week I've never for been. The I want to go there so bad. Oh, my gosh. I highly recommend it. Um, I met my friend up there for dinner last week and I got one of their pizzas and And? it was prosciutto, fontina, and spinach. And it was really good, (laughs) but I will say it was really salty. Oh, because prosciutto? Yeah. Yeah. But, which I didn't think about when I ordered it, but I'm not, that's not a bad thing. It was, it was still very, very good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I do love pizza. And next time I go, I'm trying to, I'm going to get their pasta because that's all my friend got. I've heard, I think I've heard that the gnocchi there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. She said their carbonara is very good. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I just love pasta. I do too. Oh. Let's do one more each. Yes. This is a fun, I like these jars. This is good. Okay, I've answered this on previous episodes, so you might already know my answer to this. The worst TV character ever created. Oh, actually, I have not heard 
Yours. Oh, the blue. Okay, I have to think about mine too. What's yours? Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. Why? <laughs> he Why? is the reason I could not watch that show. Oh my gosh, I love that show. That's I okay. made it through friends. like <laughs> two seasons, maybe. Oh, I feel like it, it got really good. I feel like it did. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just didn't get. Uh, I, I didn't make it through How I Met Your Mother. I couldn't make it through New Girl. Oh, okay. See, but so here's where I. I have a lot of... I'm going to say this, and it's going to get me a lot of hate. Okay. It's not about the show. It's about the character. New Girl? No. I cannot watch an episode of The Office without having so much anxiety. Oh, yeah. Over just, like, the socialness of, like, Michael Scott, to me, is just, like... (sighs) See, I don't get The Office. I don't... Maybe that's it for me. I mean, like, I feel like I have a lot of friends that are always like, oh, The Office, and, like, I can watch it, and I can, like, laugh at some of it, but it's so uncomfortable that, like, I don't really watch that much television anyway, mm-hmm. especially, like, as I've gotten older. Yeah. So when I watch TV, I want it to kind of be, like, a stress reliever. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel more stressed after yeah. I watch an episode, and I totally do. Every single time I watch an episode of The Office, I'm just like, oh, my God, my shoulders are up in my ears. And like, I had friends in college who liked... Or, like, loved The Office. Yeah. And I remember watching, like, a few episodes with them just being like, I just don't get it. Yeah. And then I've had friends, like, one of my friends in Atlanta, like, loves Parks and Rec and, like, Birdie Rock Parks and all and that Rec. stuff. And I tried Parks and Rec. You gotta get into it a little bit. The first few are a little... I will say, the person I was watching Parks and Rec with, like, not... <laughs> so, maybe it was, like, the person I was oh, watching it with. That's fair. That's fair. So, if I give it another try on my own, you maybe should give I'll it another like it. try. I do, I do like that one. I do like Chris Pratt. Yeah, and it that one did take a little bit to get into, mm-hmm. but once you get into it and it, like, clicks, and then I feel like it was maybe, like, the first season where it was just, like, a little bit like, okay, where are we headed with this? And then you yeah. get into it and you're just like, this is That's really good. That's what everyone tells me. Yeah, yeah, you gotta tough it out. There are some things that are worth toughing out in Parks and Rec is one of them. Good to know. Yeah. All right, wrap, All right. round us off. All right. Little blue buddy. One southern city I'd like to explore more is... Um, we were just talking about this the other day. I've never been to Savannah, and I'd love to oh, go to Savannah. Oh, my goodness. Savannah's yeah. so fun. I want to go. I went a couple times when I was in elementary and middle school, mm-hmm. and I really want to go back now that I'm old enough to drink. Ooh, well, I just watched the new uh, Chef's Table, and there was a chef oh. uh, in Savannah there. So now nice. I'm just like, no, we have to go. Yes. <laughs> um, Savannah and Charleston for me. Okay, okay. There's nice. a podcast based out of Charleston that I listen to called yeah. The Southern Fork. Stephanie, if you're listening, hi. I want to be your best friend. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, she's yeah. based in Charleston, and she talks to all sorts of, like, chefs and food people oh, that's so cool. in the Charleston area, and I'm just like, okay, I need to go. <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. It's not that far. It's like a seven-hour drive or something. My, uh, my cousin is getting married next May of so 2020. Okay. And okay. You got time to build up yes. all your podcasts so that she can leave for like yes. a week or two. Exactly. <laughs> That's probably what uh, I'm going to do. But yes. Because I've never been. I want to go and like build it, like make it a vacation. Yeah. I've been there once and it was for a conference, a bar conference. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. I got to see a lot of different bars, but mm-hmm. um, I'd love to spend more time there too. Yeah. I. I'm obsessed with pineapples, so my dream is to just get a photo instead of just get my photo in front of the big pineapple fountain. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that would be, like, my yeah. aesthetic for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's really cool, though. Yes. 
awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Where can we follow you on the internet to learn more? Yeah, so um, my company uh, is The Bitter Bottle. So I'm on Instagram at The Bitter Bottle. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and all that fun stuff. And then uh, for my more cocktail-y adventures, I have uh, my personal Instagram account, The Bitters Girl. Awesome. Which is pretty easy to remember. Cool. I'll plug those in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I am so so enjoyed talking to you and I can't wait to have some of your bitters in a cocktail oh, in town. <laughs> I can't wait to give you some. Yay! <laughs> Alright, y'all, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Nougat Bell Podcast, and I will catch y'all on the next one.